0: Hello everybody and welcome once again to the Wrestling Arena. I'm your host Paul and on today's episode we'll be discussing WWE Backlash 2023 as well as AEW All in London and their possible TV deal. So as of time recording, Backlash was last night and I have to say the wrestling was pretty good. But the real stars of the show were the crowd. The crowd were incredible. They really elevated the show to something you don't usually see very often. I'm going to go through each of the matches and tell you what I thought of them. The opening match was Io Sky versus Bianca Belair. This was a good match. But it was very strange. Because the match was constructed for Bianca to be the babyface. And that was not the case at all. That was not the case. And it certainly threw her off a little bit. She definitely looked rattled, but everything EO Sky did was heavily cheered. Everything that Bianca did was heavily booed. Now, I have no idea whether this is going to be a thing going forward, but what I will say is Bianca held herself pretty well. She was a little rattled, as I say. There was like a, a one handed press slam spot where she kind of dropped EO on her face, which was a bit rough. But she did okay. She's got to be hoping that fans don't pick up on this and this doesn't become like the in thing to do to boo her because if so, she either needs to turn heel or she needs to lose that belt because her reign has been long. She's been very good at everything she does, but she's starting to get that push where it's she's the best and everyone else sucks. She's the best. She's the best. That kind of scene Cena thing where The commentators, I can't stand about how good she is or how how much she's an underdog, despite the fact that she always wins. I think Bianca's very good. I didn't when she first started, to be honest, but I've I've, I've come around on her quite a bit more. And she kept her poise somewhat. This did extend the damage control storyline with Bailey and Dakota Kai coming down to ringside. You know, Bailey attempted to help her win the world title. Her being Io Sky, but what was really relevant was that Dakota Kai was trying to talk her out of it. So I, this is definitely leading to the fallout of damage control. But I'm now beginning to wonder whether or not the wider WWE fan base, the WWE universe, if you will, wants to see Io Sky as a babyface because she was getting some monster reactions, as were quite a lot of the heels during this show. To be honest, Puerto Rico just seem to be a heel. Favorite town like Philadelphia always cheers the heels and that kind of thing. There are a few towns around the country, around the world that do that. And Puerto Rico, which has been known for its bloodthirsty style, uh, with I think it's WWC, World Wrestling Council, they're a Puerto Rican promotion and they've been going for years. And they are a, a blood and guts kind of kind of promotion. You know, the big angles are always blood and weapons and things like that. At least from my limited knowledge. So Bianca manages to come out on top. She leaves. And very quickly, we moved straight on to the second match, and they ran a hype package for it, which was Seth Rollins versus Omos. And I thought this hype package was hilarious because they've been together in a ring maybe maybe once, twice, and they kind of turned that entire segment into a hype package. It was very strange. It uh, proves how good WWE's editors are because the way they put this together really made you think this had been a long-running feud, if you know what I mean. And it was not. It's just been a kind of throwing-away thing. To be honest, Seth has not really interacted with Omos past that one time. He's been mainly saying he's going for the new world championship. This match is by far Omos' best match. It's his longest match. Uh, and it's mainly his best match because Seth Rollins could bump around like a crazy man for him. There was a couple of wonderful little spots where Omos kind of blocked the stomp. He just like didn't put his head down for the stomp, which was a good little, good little reaction for the crowd the commentary team sold it like omas was was unbeatable and then to be honest after a while there was like a super stomp from the top rope and seth beat him so yeah the the omas experiment is still going on He's a free agent, so who knows where he's going to turn up next. I reckon he's going to be at the big show. Oh, we need to, we need someone to look impressive, so let's give them a mask. Uh I feel kind of bad for him because he's getting a little bit better. He's not great, but he's getting a little bit better. But he's always going to be in this position, I feel, because now you've kind of set people's expectations to this. But yes, Seth beats him. He's obviously going to beat him because he's going for the World Heavyweight Championship on Raw. I reckon he'll be, he's going to be Raw's uh, representation. Which brings me onto the sidetrack. Basically, there's going to be two triple threat matches on Raw and SmackDown. And the winners of those matches are going to face off against each other for the honour of being World Heavyweight Champion. Now, the World Heavyweight Championship is a Raw title. So why are people from SmackDown even attempting it? It's another example of how WWE love to overcomplicate things. Just don't have SmackDown involved. I understand that you're trying to make the World Championship more prestigious by letting both brands compete for it to start with. But you've only just established this this roster split. So you've got to show that that's a real thing in my opinion. That it means something. That people on SmackDown aren't eligible to be for this title. But they are. Because apparently I reckon they don't think they've got enough stakes. Now, I think this match is going to be someone like Solo Sokoa. Versus Seth Rollins with Seth coming out on top. Personally, that's my prediction for the first World Heavyweight Champion on Raw. And I guess we'll find out. The next match was something really special. With Rhea Ripley taking on Selena Vega. As expected, Selena Vega came out in a special costume. It was a a large cape. Not unlike the Macho Man Randy Savage's kind of cape. When he first entered WWF, And she opened it up. And it was a huge Puerto Rican flag. Crab were going crazy, she was crying her family were in the front row it was really emotional for her, you could tell and because of the heightened emotions the matches were pretty good, she did her best but she just couldn't overcome Rhea Ripley I mean Rhea Ripley is just too powerful too strong, but they told a very good story like with Zelina being a lot faster, getting out of the way hitting Meteora throwing a shoe at her, which I think is a thing apparently, in because Conan used to do it, I don't know what the thing is Any time I see someone do it, I think of Austin Powers. Who throws a shoe? But apparently it's a thing, so that got a big pop. I was very happy for Selena, but truth be told, we all know this was going to happen one way, and at the end of the day, it came down to Bria. One, two, three. She came at the victor, and then she very carefully left the ring so that Selena could get cheered by the crowd. Boy, You know, she shed a few tears. It was obviously really emotional for her. I think this crowd really helped took a lot of the matches because anything was just amplified. It was, inc- it was just... It was. It reminded me of a, a UK crowd or a Mania crowd. It was very, very loud, very cool. In fact, I just realised that I missed a match before this, which was the triple threat for the US title. And that went about as well as you can expect. If you listen to my prediction show, where I said that Austin Theory would steal the t- the, the win and... That's about it. That's exactly what happened. Uh, it was good, but apparently it wasn't very memorable. Considering I completely skipped over it in my head until I've just gone back to look at the match order. Bronson Reed got some very good reactions, though. that was pretty cool. I see some big things for him. I love the way he looks. He looks so different to everyone else in the Fed. He, you know, he looks like um like a big guy, like a Bam Bam Bigelow, like an earthquake. Well, not not, not as big as an earthquake, but you know what I mean. His body type makes him unique. The only person I could kind of see. Being him his type would be like Otis, but Otis has been pounded into comedy character already, which is a shame because I think Otis can work. But still, they haven't got they haven't done that to Bronson Reed yet, so hopefully, hopefully they let him be a killer. Nevertheless, still your US champion, Austin Theory. Next up we got Damian Priest versus Bad Bunny. And if you thought the crowd were loud for Zelina Vega, they just exploded. They exploded for this man. And the match that was put on was just incredible. Considering this guy is not a trained wrestler, it was just insane. Like, he was taking... He took a falcon arrow off a, stat, off like a piece of scaffolding. It was amazing. He was just... In, like, he's a multi-millionaire. And for him to take the kind of dangerous bumps he was taking in this match and to do the kind of moves he was doing in this match, it's just incredible. Now, I know he's worked with Damien Priest before, but this was this was on another level. Like I've seen a lot of celebrity matches, this has to be up there with Logan Paul, up there with Floyd Money Mayweather. You know, it's obvious that it's not just a paycheck for him. He doesn't need the money. He's doing it for the love of it. He did moves like Slice Bread Number Two, where he needed landed on his head. I mean, that was probably probably one of the most dangerous things I, I saw happen. But most of the time, he really looked like he knew what he was doing. They milked the crowd for everything. There were a lot of weapon shots. Damien Priest really gave like his body up to get hit and stuff like that. Dam- Damien Priest really went up in my estimation as well because he was just there for everything he needed to be there for. They trusted each other. It was a properly good wrestling match. And we got some of the most crowd-pleasing running kind of things that I've seen in a long, long time. We got Savio Vega, who's the owner of IWA in Puerto Rico, who's obviously been a WWF or WWE Superstar in the past, uh, they tried to play it off like this was all because of his WWF run, but it's obvious that like IWA is a big thing in Puerto Rico. He, he was treated like God. The LWO ran down, and Carlito, Carlito Caribbean and Cool, ran down, and uh, he was treated like Steve Austin. Basically, it was one of the loudest pops I think I've ever heard. It was really impressive. And the thing is, most of the time when you see stuff like that, because the Judgment Day ran down also, but most of the time and the two the two uh, the two groups you know got into a punch up. Most of the time when you see something like this, it feels overbooked. It feels kind of oh, this is this is just uh, this is too much. Like uh, that one WrestleMania with Sting versus Triple H and the NWO and DX came out. It was fun, but it made no sense. This made sense in the storyline, and it was cool as heck easily the match of the night probably should have been the main event if i'm honest but with a celebrity i guess you never know what exactly is going to happen you never know if they're going to be as good as you think they're going to be or they're going to make a mess of it i mean we've had people like Suki at one of the wrestlemanias and maria Menunos, who's a big fan but wasn't quite on the ball like she could have been she's done it a couple of times she was cool don't get me wrong it's always cool to see someone who loves it who wants to do it do it but, you know, you know, you are taking a chance with a celebrity in there. You're taking a chance that, like, oh, this might not work. So you definitely don't want to put that on as the last match, thinking, oh, well, that leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. But this went just about as well as you could possibly imagine. There was a big thing at the end with the LWO coming out with Savio and Carlito, and they raised Bad Bunny onto their shoulders because Bad Bunny did win the match. Uh, it was It was just cool. It was really cool. I'd highly recommend anybody that wants to see a hot crowd really, really get into something and have a good match. This is one you really should seek out. It's not hard to... It's it's probably one of the... To me, it's the best celebrity match going. Logan Paul is really good, but he's also signed the WWE contract. So, is he still a celebrity? And for me, I think he he's, he does it for the exposure. He's good at it. Don't get me wrong; he's very good at it. But to me, he does it for the exposure. He does it to to pimp, you know, prime, and to and to get his name out there even more than it was, and it works for him. It's good. It's the same as boxing. I mean, it's less fixed than his boxing, but you know, um, he he does a really good job. But for me, Bad Bunny obviously loved doing it. I I, I bet we are getting for Summer Slam. We are getting for something because. If someone wants to keep doing this stuff, you keep signing. In, especially while they're still a big name. Next is the cooldown match. If you can believe that, because the cooldown match was the Bloodline versus Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Matt Riddle. And you couldn't have paid me to say that. You know, before WrestleMania, the fact that this is just kind of cooled off to the degree it has for me is just insane. It was a good match. Don't get me wrong; it was a, it was a good match. A little over long. A little a little overbooked but still it was good it's just WWE now seems to think we care like we did when Sami Zayn was challenging for the world title the storyline should have ended the storyline should have ended and the fact it hasn't i'm just not there i got i the, the the crowd was still hot but the fact the Usos are still in contention for the tag titles and they haven't really moved on and nothing's really changed and oh there are clacks in the bloodline oh maybe there aren't really clacks in the bloodline oh but there are because you know Solo's nearly hit Jay in the face, it's just it's too much. It's, you should have ended it. You should have you should have moved on. You should have had the Usos move away or anything like that or put them under the brand to force the break. Anything. This match was good. It just went a little too long for my liking and people just aren't as over as they were a few months back. You know what I mean? It's it's just not a very interesting interesting story at the moment. Maybe they can inject something new into it. I think Roman not being there has forced them to kind of spin their wheels and stay in the same place, which is never a good look, especially with something that was so hot that now isn't... It's not that the match wasn't good, it was. It was full of twists and turns and a few false heat segments. And if this had been the main event of a TV show, it would have been viewed as really, really good. It's just, it doesn't really hold up. Like, the the angle's gone. The magic of it is gone. So the match ended when Solo Sokoa blind-tagged in and then gave the Samoan spike to Matt Riddle before pinning him. I do think they went kind of long as well, though, because the moment it was over, there was a short kind of uh, celebration in the ring between the, with the bloodline, but there was an immediately a, a referee at the side telling, I think it was Sami Zayn something, Oh, that might have been just before the end of the match. Uh, I think they went long, especially because the next match, your main event of the evening, Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar, seemed very, very strange. Now I can't prove this, but I think the tag match went long, which forced the main event to lose some of its planned stuff because it just seemed to go to straight to the middle of a match like straight to the immediate suplexes and the immediate counters it was almost like one of the Lesnar-Goldberg matches and it it was just the big spots of a match and at one point Lesnar headbutts an exposed turnbuckle and busts himself open and when I say busts himself open I mean real bad to the point where I was surprised they didn't stop the match to get it cleaned up but then again if you are running out of time in pay-per-view and by this time they were you might think, oh, well, we can't really do that. And also, it's going to ruin the aura of Brock Lesnar, UFC fighter, to uh, to have to stop the match and clean him up. The referee kind of looked like he was hesitant to do so because I get the feeling if Brock had been presented with a towel, he would have just got it thrown back in his face. But it felt a bit rushed to me. I don't know whether that's just because the other matches were so long, but this definitely felt shorter, felt less like a huge match. It ended when... Brock got a Kimura on Cody, and then Cody sort of rolled him onto his back and got a three-count. This is a kind of match finish that I've always been kind of annoyed by, because all the other guy has to do is let go of the hold, just stop the Kimura, and you'll be, you'll automatically have kicked out, because you won't be on your back anymore. There won't be any leverage. Uh, Bret Hart did it at WrestleMania 8 against Roddy Piper. Uh, Roddy Piper had a sleeper on, and Bret kicked over, and if Brody would have just let go of the sleeper, it would have been there no pinfall there. It's happened a few times with moves like that. I'm pretty sure Brett did it with Steve Austin as well. And there's a few times when stuff like that happens, is just let go, just just stop with the hold, and you won't lose. But Cody Cody did win, and then immediately no celebration, just rolled out of the ring and left quick. It was uh, kind of made him look bad to me. You know, it wasn't very dominant. It was kind of a flash pin. And then it was just kind of he's gone, like the big winner just left, and the pay per view ended. It was cool because at least Cody didn't lose, but at the same time I was kind of like, oh, I think they're going to keep this going. I think this this kind of has to keep going. But the real question is now, it, you know, I think Cody's going to get to the possibly the finals of the world title tournament, or at least taken out the four way match. Uh, to, to decide who's going to represent Raw, I think Brock's going to come in and take him out of that, and this will continue their feud, while letting Seth become the first World Heavyweight Champion. So that was Backlash, a show that was really good, but it got worse as it went on. After the Bad Bunny match, which as I say, should have main evented, but you're not going to really take that chance, until you know it's going to be good, so I imagine the next thing Bad Bunny's on, he might main event, especially if it's in Puerto Rico or somewhere like that. I imagine they're and get it back for SummerSlam, they must do. He was very popular and it was good. Uh, but that was Backlash. I would recommend this show, if only to see the crowd. The crowd were immense and they added to everything. It's maybe long for the end of the bloodline even more. And that's not because I'm invested in who beats the bloodline. It's just because now I'm finding it dull. But I'd call this a 4 out of 5 card. It was pretty damn good and the crowd made it really special. The other major news story is, of course, tickets have gone on sale for AEW. All in London. And in the first few days they've sold over sixty thousand tickets. Making this show the highest selling non WWE event in wrestling history with the caveat of the Peace Festival in North Korea. Because that drew a massive number because they were pretty much forced to go. So I don't particularly count that. That's not drawing a crowd, that is just, you know, your populace is turning up because they're giving you food. I don't think anybody there was particularly bothered about Ric Flair fighting Antonio Inoki. AEW Dark and Dark Elevation recently wrapped up their YouTube runs, fueling further speculation that AEW have signed a contract with Warner Brothers Discovery, which means that their content will be exclusive to their network. So we've got Rampage, Dynamite, and the new show Collision, and they're looking to be on Warner Brothers Discovery shows like TNT, TBS... And I'm not sure what other channels they own, because I'm not from the US, I'm from the UK, so hopefully that'll be on ITV or onto Fight Plus if we get a chance for that. There have also been rumours that this will increase the number of pay-per-views AEW producing to 12, so that's one a month. I haven't been able to find credible sources for these rumours, but... If the company are getting more television, I can certainly see them wanting to up the number of pay-per-views so that everyone gets a chance to be on pay-per-view. To me, this is a bit of a double-edged sword. I quite like the fact there are less AEW pay-per-views. It makes all of them seem more important, but of course it's not without its problems. Storylines generally peak about a week before or two weeks before the actual pay-per-view so that you end up with a couple of messy weeks where... Oh, the story should have happened by now, the match should have happened, and now you're just kind of waiting around. And, of course, the legendarily long five, five and a half hour long pay-per-views. But if we're going to one a month, I can certainly see those coming to an end, which would be good news. It's interesting to note that AEW have not announced this new TV show yet, but they are advertising live televised events for... Saturdays, For example, they're making their Regina Saskatchewan debut on July 8th, which is a Saturday, and they are advertising it as a live televised event. In regards to the pay-per-view numbers going up, I've managed to track down Andrew Zarian of Wrestling Observer Live, who says that Warner Brothers Discovery are encouraging AEW to increase the number of pay views They'd love to see it. Now, as Warner of Discovery are the main source of income for AEW, what with the TV deals, especially with Collision, which is apparently going to make them £50 million a year, I can't really see it being a problem. I can imagine that, yes, they'll go for more pay-per-views. Their pay-per-views are selling better. They seemingly always do well. But I'd have to say that I'd be worried about oversaturation personally. I'd up it to maybe I think there's four or five so maybe eight next year and then see where that goes and then 12 the year after if you jump straight to one a month I think you're going to run into trouble I think you want to make it so people want more pay-per-views and they want more product because you're about to flood the market with a lot more product you've got Collision which is a two-hour show a week on a Saturday which has its own problems got the reality show All Access which seems to be doing okay in its time slot Warner Brothers seem to be happy with it. AEW have also hired a man by the name of Will Washington, who formerly worked for Fightful.com. His responsibilities will include live events, social media, creative and PR. So simply speaking, his role is to help Tony with booking and to keep talent more visible so that you don't have someone debut and then a couple of months later, a couple of weeks later even, just disappear for like four months or five months. They've... Already talked about how they know that's a problem, but this guy is kind of there to like lighten the load, especially with the two hours of programming coming on. Uh, Will Washington, I've listened to a few of his podcasts, he's a good guy, he's very knowledgeable about wrestling, so it's a good hire for them, especially if it's just there to like remind Tony, like, oh, you know your old toy, your old toy's still good, even though your new toy's turning up next week, which is somehow how it can feel sometimes. So yeah, that's the AEW news as I know it. Uh, I will be back soon and I'll probably book some kind of all-in London show before they actually start announcing matches to see how my fantasy booking matches up with Tony's actual booking. I think that could be fun. Let me know what you guys think at PM Barrow on Twitter. I'll also be looking into this world title tournament for WWE and generally keeping you up to date with all the news in the wild world of pro wrestling. For the Wrestling Arena, I've been Paul. I'll see you next time.